You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. The personal pronoun, that's my God. It's my God. So it's not God, he's my God. And you know, when we, we keep it to where it's just general, uh, you, can, you can forget the blessing of your salvation. You can forget all that God has done for you, but you, you keep that personal, all of a sudden you can't let it go. Uh, and you know what? We need to make sure that our, our walk with the Lord, that relationship is something that is fresh. It's not just something, it's not just something, Sunday is not just an activity day. It's not a social gathering, though we have social activities uh, and social engagement and interactions. It's not about the social interaction. It's about meeting with God and that worship there. And I hope you're, I hope you're not only saved, I hope you enjoy your salvation. Amen. Put a smile on your face. If you're enjoying your salvation, let the world see it. Amen. It should come out. Uh, all right, There's, that's a different message, um, but it'll preach. All right, keep your Bibles out here, Acts chapter 26 and verse number 27. Let's look again at the scripture. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Here Paul is engaging with King Agrippa. And in this interaction, he is saying, I wish you were like me. I wish you were, were in the same spiritual condition that I am. Not the physical condition, not the bonds, but I wish, I desire that you would have that same joy. And you know what? Uh, I, I, I want, when I tell somebody about Christ, when I get up and preach the, the, the word of God, uh, I want you to enjoy the blessings that I get to enjoy. I really do. Uh, I, I have not arrived. I'm on this journey just like you are on this journey. And I have good days and I have bad days. But let me tell you something. I know that I am a blessed man. I know what God has done in my life. I know the transformation. I know the interaction that goes on day by day. And let me tell you something. It's worth having. It's worth having. And just being saved is not enough. Being saved isn't enough. That's just the beginning. And this morning, as we look at this passage, and Paul is confronting someone with the gospel, believest thou the prophets? Paul says, Agrippa, I know that thou believest. And the response came back. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I want to ask you three questions this morning. Is Christianity relevant? Is Christianity relevant? 
Is your faith worth sharing? Man, don't get quiet. I haven't even started preaching yet. Is Christianity relevant? Is your faith worth sharing? Amen. Are you comfortable with spiritual conversation? See, right off the bat, I gave you all three points. Sometimes I'll put my Bible up here and say, I'm almost done. You got all three points, but I haven't even started. So this morning, I, I want to preach you on the, the title, A Relatable Relationship. A Relatable Relationship. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we uh, look at the truths that are here in Acts 26 and uh, Lord, how you have worked and uh, the example that you have given to us. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to realize the great opportunity that we have. And so help us this morning. May the devil be defeated. May the distractions be limited. May the Spirit of God move freely and help each of us today uh, to not only hear, but help us to have ears to hear. Uh, help us not to just be present, but help us to, to be present in this service. And so I pray that you would just help our attention to be on uh, this vital subject and help us now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. In our passage, Paul has the opportunity to defend himself. He has been a prisoner now for two years. He has been accused of a capital crime. Uh, his, his life is literally on the line, and he has yet to have a trial. How would you like to be in that situation? Uh, and now, Paul, uh, he has an opportunity to be able to defend himself. They're sending him to Caesar. He is about to go to see Caesar and appeal to Caesar, uh, but he has, they don't even have an accusation. They don't even really have a crime to lay at or to send with uh, Paul uh, for the reason of his uh, imprisonment. And so Paul now uh, is given an opportunity to defend himself uh, before Agrippa uh, and Festus. And with that process here in his defense, he didn't defend himself. You know, if you only had one opportunity to defend yourself, don't you think, I think myself, I would probably be thinking through all of the reasons why I should not be in prison. I would probably be trying to figure out how can I get out of this situation? Is anybody else with me on that? Uh, but Paul here, he does not even give a defense. You know what Paul does? He takes this opportunity to defend and now he uses this opportunity to share his faith. He shared his faith. His defense wasn't a defense to try to get him to be uh, released. It was an opportunity for him to share the goodness of God. 
He said, the things that have happened unto me have happened uh, rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And the apostle Paul understood that the circumstances that life brings our way, those circumstances are opportunities then for us to be able to share the goodness of God. Uh, Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it is a financial reversal. God allows things in our life to bring people across our path so we can share our faith. A relatable relationship. But you can't relate something that you do not have. Many people who name the name of Christ, they might be saved, but they are just as ignorant about God and a relationship with God as is a newborn babe about who the family is. That babe, that newborn babe doesn't know your name. Don't get quiet on me. And there are people who might have information about God, but information doesn't make a relationship. You know this lady down here on the second row is my wife. 34 plus years she has put up with me. What a blessing. For me, not for her. (laughs) And you may know things about her. You may know her favorite color. You may know her favorite cookie or candy. You may know things that she likes. But information about her does not mean that you know her. I know her. There is a relationship. We have, if we are going to be able to relate a relationship with God, if we are going to be able to convey who God is and how good God is, we have to have a relationship with Him. And maybe we are timid. And maybe we are, we have an inability to communicate about God because maybe that relationship is no longer there. Maybe that relationship has not developed. So we're going to look at this this morning, and it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. All right. You know, doctrine. Reproof, correction, instruction. That's what the Word of God is. Teaching what's right, doctrine. Teaching what's wrong. Teaching how to make the wrong right. And then how to keep it right. 
And so here we want to look at this this morning. Uh, so look again, Acts 26, verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And so this is a spiritual conversation that the Apostle Paul is having uh, before King Agrippa. And uh, this spiritual conversation is one that Paul was having. He engaged in spiritual conversation with someone who we know uh, because of his, his response, he was not a believer. All right, he rejected Christ. Uh, this spiritual conversation, according to Barna, uh, the average adult has about one uh, spiritual conversation a year. Think about that. The average adult in the United States has about one converse, spiritual conversation about God, about their faith, about religion. That's just including a religion conversation. The average adult, one conversation a year. You say, well, that's just everybody. Surely among Christians, that would be different. We would hope. The study goes on. Three quarters, and there's the quote here, three quarters of self-identified U.S. Christians are what we call reluctant conversationalists. They are having fewer than 10 spiritual conversations a year. For most Christians in the U.S., topics of faith came up less than once a month. Now, that's tragic. That's tragic. You know why? Because we don't have a relatable relationship. Have you ever joined in a conversation and you didn't have anything to add because you had no idea what they were talking about? Our faith should not be that conversation. Our faith should not be in that type of a situation. If you name the name of Christ, if you are a child of God, you have a responsibility, you have an opportunity to get to know God. What an opportunity that is. But not only do we have that opportunity to get to know God, we have a responsibility to share that information with other people. And that is so vital in our, in our world. Pre-COVID, in, uh, before COVID even hit, pre-2020, uh, they said that 75 churches in America were closing their doors every week. 300 a month. In America, the doors are closing. That was pre-COVID. I haven't seen the statistics uh, post-COVID, uh, but as everything else has gone, gone I am uh, imagining that that number has continued to expand. The ages of pastors across the nation are growing older. And I look around and I'll show up at a conference and I still feel like I, I should be the young guy that's there. I still feel like I'm a young guy and I look around and you look at the amount of gray hairs 
And praise the Lord, there are young men coming into ministry, and there are young people that are serving, but those numbers are not high enough. You know why? Because we're not even having conversations, spiritual conversations, within our own home. We're not having spiritual conversations within our own church and our gathering amongst believers. And so uh, this has got to change. And uh, the, the truth is most Christians are busy with other things. The day-to-day normal life, jobs, kids, budgets, sports. In this list of the other things, that were mentioned that, that Christians are, uh, are, that's dominating their conversation, the weather. How does the weather outbeat our faith? And let's be honest, how many times do we talk about the weather? Man, it's going to be hot today. And we do, we converse about the weather and we converse about finances and we converse about the price of gas and we converse about our budgets and the issues of life. Uh, but the reality is uh, we have to make sure that we are conversing about our faith. We've got to be sharing our faith. And as a believer, that, that has got to be something that comes to the forefront of our mind, the responsibility to share our faith. And so that first question, number one, is Christianity relevant? Is it relevant? Is, is our faith relevant to the issues that are going on in this world? And let me tell you, it's, an, it's a resounding yes. It's a resounding yes. I mean, when you, you want to look at any of the cultural issues that are going on in the day, you know, Jesus is the answer. He is the one that uh, can solve those problems. The Bible, the truths of the word of God, the application of truth in our lives, it will solve the prob- most of, uh, of problems because sin has consequences. The wages of sin is death. Sin brings death to everything that it touches. You know what? We grab a hold of this book right here, and this book right here is full of truth, and this book right here is full of holiness. Amen. And you and I need to grab a hold of it and understand it and have the right biblical worldview. Our our faith is relative. Christianity uh, is relative to the issues that are going on. Our our young people are down at Joshua camps down in Lancaster uh, this week. And with that, the theme of the camp uh, that we've got the kids going to is a biblical worldview. But let me tell you something, mom and dad, it's not our job to teach your kids a biblical worldview. Amen. It's not the Christian school's job to teach your kids a biblical worldview. It's your job. And you know what we'll do is we'll partner together and from the pulpit and from the parent and from the school, uh, they should all be pulling together to reinforce the truth. Uh, but we've got to make sure that we're teaching our kids that, that uh, Christianity is relevant to the world that we live in. And we look at the problems that this world is experiencing. It is the problems are there because they're violating God's ways. God's ways 
work. It works. It works for everybody. It works for those who embrace the Lord as their Savior, but it also works for those that reject Him. Because truth works for everybody. We were t- I was talking about this with somebody recently, and I asked them, how, how many, the, the, the Jews as a whole, not all of them, they have rejected Christ as the Messiah. But how many poor Jews do you know? Why? Because there are principles that they follow. They follow stewardship principles that are biblical. And because of those principles, they, they enjoy the blessings of those principles. But Christianity, uh, is it relative? Is it relative to our life? Is, it, is Christianity relative uh, to our personal wellness? You know, that's sort of a buzzword, personal wellness. That little phrase there. Is Christianity relative to that? If it is, then it's an opportunity to share our faith with other people. Don't you want other people to have personal wellness? How many people do we know that are labeled with some type of condition? And I'm not saying that there aren't conditions. I'm just saying personal wellness is something that we want. And you know what? Our faith, our relationship with the Lord has a lot to do with that personal wellness. Our emotional health, our wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, So our personal wellness, our identity, who we are. Our faith is relative to that. You know, Christian, you should not struggle with your identity. The identity right now has been undermined on so many levels. We can't even define what a woman is. God help us. But why is that the case? It's the case because we are not looking at things through the lens of Scripture. Our country has lost the moral compass. Now, everybody has their own truth. Well, that's your truth. My truth is this. No, there is truth and there is error. Amen. And you might not like truth, but that does not mean that you have your own truth. You see, we keep redefining what terms mean. And truth is truth. It doesn't change. God said, thy word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. People say, well, you know, we're all going to get to heaven our own way. No, we're going to, you will get to heaven God's way. And it is through Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, his death on the cross, his shed blood, uh, the, res- the burial, the resurrection. Uh, it is through Christ. That's the only way anybody will ever get to heaven. And it's not my truth and it's not somebody else's truth. That's just what God says. That is his truth. And his truth is what matters. Uh, and so uh, we, we look at it. God, God made us our identity. We have to embrace who God made us as. I'm thankful that God made me a man. Praise the Lord. And I have no qualms about it. I'm thankful that my wife, God made my wife a woman. And man, husband, wife, woman. Marriage, husband, wife. Male, female. That's truth. And you can try to change and redefine things and the, the Supreme Court can try to redefine what marriage is, but the Supreme Court is not the one that defined what marriage was to, from the beginning. They have no right to redefine something that they did not define. You know, we've got, to, we've got to get back to the place where we realize that there is truth and, and, and the, the belief system, our faith, it matters. And we have to have a biblical worldview. It's so important. Uh, does our faith uh, impact our life? Is Christianity relative uh, to my personal wellness, to my marriage, to my family, to my relationship with my children, my grandchildren? Absolutely, my faith is relative. So Wednesday night, Arabella came up to me. She said, Papa, I have to tell you something. And I, I leaned down. I sat just about a chair behind where Deb's at right now. And I got down. She came up. She says, I'm going to heaven. I asked Jesus in my heart. Woo! Not only am I excited that another name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, I'm excited that my granddaughter got saved. (laughs) Woo. Praise the Lord. She's going to get baptized tonight. You know what happened? That relative faith was communicated. We have got to be able to take the faith that we have and we've got to hand our faith off generationally and to our children and to our grandchildren. Let me tell you something, moms and dads, you walk away, your grandchildren, when your children uh, come of age or maybe your grandchildren, if you walk away from your faith, do you, how do you know that they will even hear the presentation of the gospel? There's a lot riding on us realizing that our faith is relative. It's relative to our life. It's not relative to just church. This is a building, but we are a church. And that 
that assembly of baptized believers, what is it? It is, it is a, uh, it's a body, it's an organism, organism, and there are relationships that are tied there, and our faith is relative. It's relative within the walls, but it's also relative outside these walls, and we've got to be living our faith, not just here. We've got to be communicating our faith, not just inside the walls. We've got to be doing so everywhere else. Uh, our faith, it's relative uh, to our career, our job, uh, the daily grind. Uh, is our faith rel relative? Is Christianity relative? Secondly, is your faith worth sharing? Is your faith worth sharing? Back in our text, verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? He's confronting him with truth. He's confronting him. But here we go back a little bit, go back to verse number six. And as we look at how Paul now, he is giving his defense, look at verse, verse number six. It says, and now I stand, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our 12 tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I mean, he is, he is just telling him, listen, I am accused here because I am preaching, I am teaching that Jesus Christ was not only crucified, but he was risen from the dead. And aren't you glad that he is? Uh, he is risen from the dead. We serve a living Savior. Uh, he said in verse number nine, I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceeding mad against them, I persecuted uh, them even unto strange cities." Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. You know what? He is communicating his interaction. Uh, we see in Acts chapter 9 how Jesus met the Lord Jesus, or the, uh, how Paul met the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he got saved. And now he is communicating that uh, with Agrippa. And what is he doing? His faith was is worth sharing. It's worth sharing. You know, the people that you work with, your faith is worth sharing. Your neighbor, your faith is worth sharing. Amen. Those co-workers, those friends, your family, does it mean that everybody is going to accept? No. Paul here, he gives the gospel. He shares his personal testimony. Uh, I, I love it when, uh, when, when I look at the apostle Paul. His communication of the gospel is not just quoting scripture. You know what he does? He tells them what happened to him. 
It was personal. It was a relationship that he was communicating. He was just telling what happened to him. And if you're saved this morning, then you know what happened to you. If you don't know what happened, you're not saved. If, if, there, if there is no knowledge of what took place, well, you know, my mom said that I was saved. No, uh, mom can't get anybody saved. Salvation is individual. Salvation is personal. And that relationship is one that we need to be able to communicate. Paul here, he was sharing his faith. Is our, our faith worth sharing? And Paul shared his personal testimony. And now he's drawing that net at the end. And he says, believest thou the prophets? Do you believe what God said? Do you believe the word of God? Do you believe the truth of scripture? Do you, do you know why we give invitations? Because the gospel demands a verdict. You know, when it comes to an invitation at the end of service, it's not the time to check out. It's not the time to take off and go get your kids so you can be the first one at the restaurant. You know why? Because truth demands a verdict. And with that, not only for salvation of those who have not yet accepted, uh, just think about it. You have somebody sitting right behind you that's lost. I'm trying to figure out who to pick on. Brother Ken, you have somebody right behind you that's lost. Yeah, Andrew. All right. I probably should have done that the other way. You have somebody right in front of you that's lost. An invitation comes and the Holy Spirit's been working in his heart and then you get up and leave. You know what they, runs through their mind? I'm going. I'm getting out of here. They're going to try to get out from underneath the gospel. You know what needs to happen during invitation time? Number one, we need to respond to what God is doing in our heart. If truth is going forth and you're getting nothing from truth, there's a problem in your heart. There, there are better orators and there are people that can have better uh, sermon uh, pulled together. But let me tell you something. Uh, it's not about the messenger. It's about the truth. And you and I, as truth is going forth, we should be hungry to hear what God has to say, and we need to be responding to it. But here, what do we have? We have Paul communicating truth, and then he looks at Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? You now have to do something with what you were just given. And you know what preaching is? Preaching is truth with a hook. There's a hook. There should be something in the message that is going to help you determine what do I need to do with this truth. And when God grabs a hold of that area and he puts his finger on that spot in your life, you know what you need to do? You need to respond. That's why we have an invitation. So I'll just sit where I'm at. How's that working for you? Let's be honest. We sit where we are at, and you know what happens? Nothing changes. 
The major decisions that I have made in my life, they happened at an old-fashioned altar. There's something about walking an aisle, humbling yourself, bowing a knee, confessing to God where we need to work on something in our life, getting it right and getting back up, and it's like, okay, now I'm starting fresh. Now, if you're, if you're 95 years old like Mrs. Cole, just kidding, she's not quite that old, she's 94, uh, and, you know, maybe your health doesn't allow you to come forward. Maybe you can't walk well. Maybe you can't kneel. Then take a walk and just stand, pray. Maybe you come forward and you sit up front. There was an action to, there was a response. You know what? Paul here is communicating with the lost. And you know what was expected? That the lost was going to make a decision. And you and I, we make decisions on our faith. Three years ago, almost three years ago, Uh, My dad had pancreatic cancer. And it was two months where he went downhill. He had multiple surgeries, procedures. Finally came home and um, was in hospice. There, There wasn't any, outside of a miracle, there was no there was no hope. Hospice nurse came in and family, we had gathered together. And we're sitting there and the hospice nurse was saying, we need to figure out, we're going to continue with the hydration or are we going to continue with the feeding tube? And as we were, the hospice nurse laid out the oper- what the situation was, Basically, okay, Pops, what do you want to do? He sat there, and we as a family were sitting there, and Pops looked over, and he made eye contact and just locked in with me. What do you want me to do? I swallowed hard, sort of like I am now. Pops, I want you to live. but I don't want you to suffer. So what is it that you want to do? Pops out there and there's a little bit of quiet. Then he just closed his eyes. I swallowed hard. I looked over at the hospice nurse and the family and I said, no decision is a decision. So we'll stop the feeding tube. We'll stop the hydration. Pops with his eyes closed, he smiled. That was the decision. Just because we're silent on something does not mean we're making no decision. 
when we do not decide consciously, we subconsciously are making a different decision. When it comes to our faith, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, no decision is a decision. Let me tell you, accept Christ today. He is the only way to heaven. He is the one that will forgive every sin. He is the one that can break every chain uh, that you are held in. And he will give you not just eternal life, he will give you a blessed life. Being a follower of Christ is a blessed life. What a blessing it is. And here, when we look at the gospel, it demands a verdict. And and we have to make decisions uh, with that. So uh, let me ask you, is your faith worth sharing? And if your faith is worth sharing, then do so. Do so. You say, well, I just don't know what to say. Then start studying so you know what to say. Before you have a conversation with somebody, you know that you're going into a situation where you want to make sure that the faith is communicated. Live through that situation. Try to think through what you're going to say. After after I had been saved for a while, I was already at Bible college. Uh, my grandpa uh, was uh, was has did not profess being a Christian, a believer of, uh, at all. And so, uh, so as a, here I was in Bible college, going to be a pastor, a preacher. And, and so, uh, we were coming home. I don't remember if it was Christmas or what we came home for, but, uh, we stopped and the family went to visit my great grandma or my great, yeah, my great grandma at a care home and, uh, everybody was there. And so when we, we were leaving, I told the rest of the family, I said, listen, nobody else goes with grandpa. I'm witnessing to grandpa today. And so got in the car with grandpa and we had a, a drive from Tacoma, uh, back to, to, uh, gig Harbor. And, and then we, we, I started just sharing the gospel with him. We pulled in in front of his garage and I sat there in that uh, front seat of the car. And I told my grandpa, I said, grandpa, I said, I don't know what you believe about God and about faith. I do believe, uh, I don't know what you believe about heaven and about hell. I said, but I do believe that there is a heaven and I do believe that there is a hell. And what kind of grandson would I be if I did not tell you about my faith? And, I, and he allowed me to take the gospel and I spent almost an hour, about 45 minutes, uh, shared the gospel with him. And he said, I did that when I was a child. Now, I don't have a life that was lived to where I have confidence in that testimony. But let me tell you, I, hope, I hang on to that. I'm hoping that when he did pass, uh, and when I did his funeral, and, and I shared that story with those that were there, uh, I want to make sure, I'm looking forward to the day when I'll see my grandpa again. And I'm, my hope is that he did trust Christ. But you know, our faith is worth sharing. It's worth sharing. It's not always easy, but it's always worth sharing. Lastly, are you comfortable with spiritual conversations? Are you comfortable? We don't share truth. We don't share our faith because we're not comfortable in our faith. When it comes to your job and you're training a new employee, 
They don't know everything that you know, even if they think they do. And as you're going through training, you're confident because you know what they're supposed to do. Maybe we don't have those spiritual conversations because we're not comfortable. We, we are not confident in our faith. I remember when I first went out and started sharing the gospel with people. The biggest thing, the biggest drawback, uh, what's, what's the biggest fear when you go to the door? The biggest fear for me was they're going to ask me a question I don't know the answer to. What if they ask me something I can't can't give them an answer to? Welcome to being human. You and I are not the sole source of knowledge. Man, my teachers asked me a whole lot of questions that I didn't have the answers to. I was in Bible college and I was sitting in English class and I tested into Bonehead English. Uh, I, didn't te- I didn't go into it regular. Uh, I, I did so bad I had to take uh, English that I should have gotten about second grade, uh, learning the 14 parts of speech and uh, the eight parts of speech. There we go. And so anyway, I uh, was sitting there and I'm sitting up front and the teacher says, what would you say if I were to tell you I didn't know what a preposition was? And then she locked eyes with me. And I said, I'd tell you you're not the only one. (laughs) I didn't have a clue. You know what? In life, we don't have all the answers. We don't have the answers in our faith. But we should be growing. Somebody asks you a question that you don't know, you know what that's going to do? That's going to motivate you to go back, get into your Bible, and get the answer. You know, we need to be sharing our faith. We need to communicate our faith. Are we, are we comfortable with spiritual conversation? Uh, back in our text, Acts 26, 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first uh, that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. You know what Paul was just doing? He was just telling him, listen, I'm just telling you and I've been telling everybody else what God God said in his word, and that's what we need to do. We need to be comfortable in those spiritual conversations. Uh, we, we need to uh, not only say we are comfortable, we need to have, we can say we're comfortable having those, those conversations, but if we're not having them, then there's a problem. Our actions are revealing it. 
So, Pastor, I'm, I'm comfortable with spiritual conversations. Then in the last month, how many people have you told about your faith? Think about that. Remember that 75% of professing believers have less than one month. Okay, well, let's, let's broaden it out a little bit. How many people have you told about your faith in the last two months? Convicting, huh? Does that, either one of two hap- things, things have happened. Either you're not comfortable with spiritual conversations or you have not been around anybody. And you just didn't have an opportunity. Right? You see, we've got, we've got a relation. If you're a child of God, there's a relationship that has been established. Heavenly Father, and you're his child. Jesus is your Savior. If that's the case, that's worth sharing. It's worth sharing. We need to be sharing. The world keeps getting more dark. It just keeps darkening over and over and over again. The evil just comes uh, more and more. And we need to uh, be having those conversations, spiritual conversations. uh, And we need to share our testimony of salvation. There isn't anything that will make you more joyful than telling somebody else about when you got saved. And it will help stir. It will help return, restore the joy of thy salvation. As David prayed in Psalm 51, uh, having that salvation, the joy of it, uh, sharing the goodness of God, sharing a Bible verse, sharing a, a devotion that you just had and you were in your Bible and you're studying and God gave you a nugget. Who did you share that with? Well, it was personal. It was for me. Nothing in this life is about us. It's about him and about his purpose. Revelation 4 says that all things were created by him and for his pleasure they are and were created. God didn't make you so you could have fun. God made you so he could have fun. Now, he lets us have fun along the way. And there are benefits and blessings that we get to enjoy. 
But we need to be sharing uh, our faith. Uh, when was the last time uh, that you just shared your love for the Savior? Uh, the, maybe your love for your church. Maybe you, you invited someone to come. Maybe you uh, pulled a gospel track out of your pocket or out of your purse and you, you just gave somebody a gospel track and, uh, and invited them to come. Just telling somebody about your faith and uh, your walk. Uh, we, we talk of family and we talk about food and we talk about finance finances and we talk about fun, but we don't talk about our faith. And if there is anything that we need to elevate, is we need to be talking about Jesus. We need to be telling other people about him. Life is short. Life is short. And one of these days, we are going to get to the end of our life. And it may be long, and it may be short. It may be something that you are living a, you have a long future before you, but we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what a day will bring forth. So live every day like it's your last day. If you knew that you were going to go into eternity tomorrow and you were saved and your spouse did not know Christ, I hope you would want to tell them. Your kids, your family, there were two people that were hard for me to witness to, my grandpa and my brother. And after I got saved and I tried to witness to my brother, I was just his little kid brother. And he didn't, it wasn't that he laughed at me or anything like that, but he didn't receive it. but it wasn't too long before he did. You know, tell the people that you love about Christ. Our faith is worth sharing. It's a relatable relationship. If I was married and I never talked about my wife. I never, ever said anything about her. Wouldn't that make you just wonder, what's going on? There's a relationship there that is not separated from who I am. but also the relationship with my Savior, that relationship has got to come out. There was a little boy. He was about, uh, I I think the story goes, he was about uh, third or fourth grade. And he comes to his dad and he says, Daddy, how tall am I? And dad said, "You're, you're almost four feet. 
And the little boy said, well, how tall is Jesus? And dad said, well, he may have been around six foot. We don't really know. He said, well, if Jesus is in me, then won't he stick out? And let me tell you, Christian, Jesus needs to be sticking out. He needs just to be coming out. We shouldn't be able to hold him in. He should just be seen. And if you're a child of God, let Christ be seen. If you have not accepted him yet, trust him today. Father, we pray that you would bless now in this invitation. You know the needs of each heart. You know where we are in our faith and our relationship with you. There are those that have been saved and they have a close walk with you. There are those that are here and maybe that relationship has, has not been as close as it needs to be. And Lord, we, we also understand that there might be some people here today that do not know you as their savior. But I do pray that you would speak to hearts and help all of us, Lord, to draw closer to you this morning. May you work in our lives, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond. You respond. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't know Christ is your personal Savior. Let me encourage you to come. We'll have someone take the Bible and share with you what God says about you going to heaven. a relatable relationship. How about it, child of God? Is Jesus sticking out? Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's BBC, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.